Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning into the show. This is your host, Adalia Kirchner, and you are listening to Subtle Rampage. Warning, the following program contains critical thinking, honest opinions, viewpoints on culture that may seem conservative, and a positive view on absolute detestable things such as marriage and children. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, hello, and happy new year, everybody. Congratulations on officially making it to the year of our Lord 2023. I assume that's how all of you practicing Catholics out there are greeting people this week. I'm not entirely sure. I am not one. I just felt like being inclusive today. Anyways, for this podcast episode, I want to talk about the new year. I want to talk about resolutions, mental stamina, life, etc. Um, and I kind of want to talk about what I did this year instead of making any New Year's resolutions. So, my thing with the new year is there's like two different sides of the spectrum. You've got the people who go into New Year all like, New Year, new me, okay? I've got all these resolutions. I'm going to be a completely different person. Uh, Don't even come at me because I'm going to have a whole new life. And then you've got the people on the other side of the spectrum who are like, New Year, same me, same freaking problems, life sucks. And then you've got all the people in between, you know, those people who just don't really care, those people who just do it for fun, etc. And life is life, I think. (laughs) Like, and I think it's a bit trivial to say that this has been the best year of my life or this has been the worst year of my life or whatever it is, especially if you're like 16 or 17. If you're saying that then, I'm like, oh, just just you wait. But um, I also think it's kind of stupid to be like, well, 2022 was miserable, but you know, new year, this is going to be good. This is going to be a good one. I can feel it. And it's like, Um, I mean, I hate to get all academic on y'all, like, just out of nowhere, right at the beginning of this episode, but time is pretty arbitrary, okay? The Gregorian calendar year is pretty arbitrary in the context that we're going to be talking about today, and I say that because there's really nothing random about our calendar, the days that are set aside for certain things, as far as, like, holidays and stuff go, but as far as the context of where you are at physically, emotionally, spiritually, all that stuff. The calendar year is pointless. It's random. It doesn't apply. I just don't understand what the point of it is <laughs> as far as you and your life goes, okay? Um, because, it, you know, what happens when the new year comes around? It's, it's not like you just get a complete reset. It's not like your mind is refreshed and you don't have that chronic knee pain anymore and, you know, your scoliosis is fixed, okay? Found that out the other day. Threw my back out, went to the chiropractor. Dude looks at me after taking my x-rays, goes, you might have a scoliosis. And I was like, oh, fancy. And he looked at me just like very blankly. I don't know what the right, like what the appropriate reaction to being told you have a scoliosis is, but I guess that wasn't it because he just kind of stared at me. Anyways, um, but it's, you know, it's not like that stuff just goes away once one year ends and the next one starts because life is life. It just keeps going. If we didn't have this year time frame to go off of, we'd just be living life. If we didn't celebrate a new year, if there were no new years, 
life would just still keep going with or without them. I think we all know, like, if we're getting serious about things, we all know that a new year doesn't constitute an abrupt change in how your life is functioning because abrupt changes like that can happen and do happen whenever. Life isn't dependent on the calendar year. A new year does not, in fact, equal a new you. And I don't know, I don't have a problem per se with New Year's resolutions, but I do think that most people's resolutions just, they go swirling down the drain before the year is even halfway over. And for some people, like I've been in the past, uh, some people kind of expect that. We know that we're not going to accomplish all the goals that we're setting for ourselves, but whether you expect it or not, uh, <laughs> it's not a great feeling failing to accomplish something or some things that you more or less committed to doing. Even if you only promised it to yourself and nobody else, you're still failing to accomplish something that you kind of said you would do, right? So something that I did this year while people were writing New Year's resolutions and goals, etc., was I decided to wait till I was in the right mindset. And when I felt as though I was, I spent a little time writing down what I'm going to say are notes from my highest sense of self, okay? The part of me, the part of you that doesn't always feel like showing up to work every day or at all, really, for some of us. But the highest sense of self is like the part of you that can see the bigger picture. It's the part of you that cares for yourself. It's the part of you that cares for other people. It's the part of you that at 3 a.m. when you're still awake because you can't sleep or because you were scrolling Instagram or whatever it is, it's the part of you that at 3 a.m. is convincing you that you're going to wake up in two hours at five o'clock in the morning and do a whole workout routine. Like, it's, it's that part of you. <laughs> because your highest sense of self wants you to succeed, wants you to be productive, wants you to take care of yourself. The only problem that comes along with, well, I won't say the only problem, but a problem that comes along with having that highest sense of self that may show up every day or once a week or once a year or whatever for different people. I mean, who knows? Some people's highest sense of self, I mean, they take year-long hiatuses or, you know, multiple years at a time, you know? Uh, but the thing about getting to have that highest sense of self is that also means that we have a lowest sense of self and a bunch of senses of self that fit all sorts of varying roles in between the two extremes. And these lower senses of self, the bums that they are, okay, they somehow manage to show up to work a whole lot more than our highest sense of self does, at least in my experience. I'm 20 years old and there's several things that I deal with on a daily basis that I don't often get the inclination to really go around sharing with people. Partially because I'm not really one to just share personal struggles or hurtful or traumatic experiences uh, with others unless I can tell that it's going to comfort them or make them feel better in some way. That or if I feel like joking about it. I make a, a decent amount of out-of-pocket jokes when it comes to uh, personal experiences. But, you know, sometimes there's not any other way to go about it. 
If I ever make a joke about dark subject matter, it's likely because I've been there. It's because I know what I'm joking about. And please, for the love of everything, if I make a joke about one of my uncles dumping trash all over my bed in high school and then gaslighting me, just laugh at it. Because some things are just so absurd that they would simply be funny if there weren't any negative emotions attached to it, like inhibiting your ability to laugh. So just if I joke about something dark or traumatic, okay, um, just ignore the negative emotion part of it and just laugh at my joke. Sound good? All right. I'll laugh at yours if that helps, you know. But like I was saying, I decided to write down some of the things that my highest sense of self wants the rest of me to try to remember. Not necessarily just for this year, but in general. And that's not to guarantee that I will remember these things when I should, or that I'll even take them seriously when I do remember them in certain mind spaces, but I just figured, why not? So I'm gonna kind of walk you through a few of the things that I wrote down, and maybe you'll get a sliver of something out of it, hopefully. So the first thing I wrote down is, you can't control other people's facial expressions. And that might sound stupid at first, because of course, we all know this, it's not your body, you're not the one making the face. It's not anything profound. However, I look at it this way. People will look at you in the way that they do. They're going to have their own way of perceiving the world, of perceiving you. <laughs> you just have to find the ones, find the people that don't look at you a certain way. Uh, we all have our belief systems, our perceptions of things that have happened to us, uh, our perspectives on the world, and in my experience, there are situations in which the way somebody looks at you, whether it's their facial expression or the way that they view you as a whole or both, okay, you can tell, like, in their eyes how they feel about what you're saying or how you're feeling or whatever. And sometimes the way that somebody looks at you can be, like, devastating emotionally. If you're discussing something with someone in your life, or you're pouring your heart out to them, or even making a joke, and you can see that they don't understand you as a person, you can't take it to heart. I mean, you can, but been there, done that. It doesn't feel good, okay? <laughs> Another thing that I wrote down that kind of goes hand in hand with that one is it's not their fault that they haven't had the opportunity to know better because they haven't had the opportunity to learn. Coming from a low-income background and my family having dealt with homelessness more than once <laughs> and having spent my high school years in a less-than-ideal living situation, I wish somebody would have said this to me back when I was younger. It wasn't until sometime last year that my mom had gone to do laundry at a laundromat that she had this conversation with this random young Christian guy who was in there, and he seemed to not be in the best situation himself. And I call him laundromat guy. I, I, I never saw this man. I, f I have no idea how old he was. My mom said he was young, so that could mean anything. But um, I just call him laundromat guy because um, I'm constantly asking my mom, hey, what did laundromat guy say again? <laughs> but uh, anyways, after some conversation, he said that phrase to my mom. It's not their fault that they haven't had the opportunity 
to know better, that they haven't had the opportunity to learn. And there have been so many situations in my life where I've been in a certain predicament, or my family has been in a certain predicament, where it really was just chronic stress, where it really was just devastating, where it was extremely hard to function for years on end. And in daily conversation with people, I would get so incredibly frustrated when you don't have a home and your family of nine is staying with another family who put an expiration of two weeks on your visit, okay? And you have nowhere to go after that. Somebody saying, well, at least you have a roof over your head is not exactly what you want to hear, you know? It's, uh, it's not exactly comforting. It's like, yeah, I do have a roof over my head. It'll just be gone in two weeks. I mean, but thanks for reminding me when... You uh, live in a home without being able to use the toilets or take a shower without bathing in your own filth for months on end because the landlord won't fix the septic tank after a winter storm bursts the pipes and someone in a comfortable living situation gives you a judgmental look or actually doesn't understand why it upsets you. It's the most infuriating feeling. <laughs> and for years, I would just think to myself... How hard is it to just understand what I'm saying? It, like, and to just understand how it hurts, like how badly this is affecting me, how it makes me feel. Like, and I would just get so angry and frustrated. But this, they haven't had the opportunity to be in my position. They haven't had the kind of experience that would allow them to understand. And you could argue that that's just making excuses for people to not attempt any sort of empathy or sympathy or whatever. But I think the question comes in of, do I want them to experience what I've experienced? Of course not. I mean, it's a, it's a very obvious answer. Of course I don't want these people to experience the things that I've experienced that are making me upset. So why am I harboring so much anger towards them? Why am I harboring so much frustration towards this person? Because the reality is that I shouldn't be. I mean, I can let it irritate me, but I shouldn't be so infuriated by the fact that they don't understand because I don't want them to have to understand. And, you know, the next thing that I wrote down is kind of more self-oriented, less focused on other people, but it's, it's one of Jordan Peterson's 12 rules for life. And it's treat yourself like you are someone you're responsible for helping. And I like the way he puts it, but I also like to put my own spin on these kinds of quotes because sometimes the words we use are so crucial um, when it comes to whether or not the person receiving those words actually hears them. And that goes for the things that you say to yourself or remind yourself of. So... I, I keep his version around, but I also like to phrase it like this. Treat yourself the way you treat somebody that you care about. Because I know that phrasing it like that will be more impactful to that lower sense of self that resides in me. So I encourage you to take this one and resort to your inner poet, if you will. Really focus on the words that you're using to comfort yourself or to shake yourself out of something. Find the best possible words, the best possible phrasing 
in order to make sure that what you're reminding yourself of actually resonates with you (laughs) because you need to actually hear it. You need to actually be able to feel it. And, you know, the reality is that all this stuff I'm talking about, it isn't a fix. I can't word things in a way that just fixes my brain chemistry or my life experiences or my struggles. Life isn't the freaking Trolls movie where you can just sing and everything is fine. Now, that being said, I'm not trying to fix myself because it's not humanly possible. My only goal with this is to make sure that what I'm saying to my lower sense of self resonates because if it doesn't resonate to me specifically, then I'm not going to actually hear it. I'm not going to actually feel it and it's not going to ever make a difference. I hope that makes sense. Uh, to you. I don't know. But anyways, the the next thing that I wrote down is parent the parts of you that hurt. At some point, I was listening to a writer talk about being a creative. Um, I don't know. It was on YouTube or something. I don't even know who the guy was. It was just playing on the background. I had autoplay switched on. Different podcasts were playing. I don't even know. But <laughs> I heard this man say something about figuring out how to parent the part of you that procrastinates as a writer, or something along those lines. I I didn't really find it to be uh, a a divine revelation uh, regarding the subject or matter of writing, but I did like the concept of being a parent to yourself. It takes caring about or loving yourself and who you are to a whole different level. I mean, people will say, oh, you need to love yourself, just love who you are, love yourself for who you are, you know, be you, uh, don't be anybody else, you're perfect, they'll say all that stuff. I mean, humans are very self-centered, even when we're not. That's why navel-gazing is even a concept, especially with those of us who do experience that whole inner dialogue throughout our lives. It's constantly about how this person made me feel, what this person said to me, what I think about this, what I'm seeing in the grass, what I think about the ant that's crawling up the side of the wall. Like, it's all me, 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 you know? But when you're in a place where even the me, me, me of it all can't even push you to take care of yourself, it can't even push you to care for yourself enough to actually do something about it, that's when you need to think about parenting the parts of you that hurt. If you had a child and they were struggling with what you're struggling with, or they were hurt in the way that you were hurt, how would you parent that? How would you be there for them? How would you guide them? How would you help them? How would you treat them? And as a parent, would your heart not ache for them until they were in a better space. And I'm not saying that so that you can go take on a victim mindset where you're constantly feeling sorry for yourself and then when people are like, quit playing the victim, you can be like, no, I'm just parenting myself like Adelia said. Yeah, no, that's not why I'm saying this, okay? I'm, I'm saying this so that you can allow yourself to help yourself in the way that you would want to help your child, or your husband, or your wife, or your best friend, or your brother, or your sister, or whoever, okay? If your response to a certain situation as a parent would be to hold your child, or to make their favorite food, or to drag them out of bed for a dance party, to pray over them, to maybe seek out a Bible verse that relates to the situation or that is comforting, 
then that's also really what you should be doing for yourself. Even if there's only a sliver of a chance that any of those things do anything to help, the mindset matters. Now, obviously, these things that I wrote down, they're not going to work for everyone because they don't even always work for me. <laughs> and I've done my best to cater them to my own situation. For instance, uh, this last one I'm going to talk about might sound like the most negative thing that I could say. And this approach might just discourage the crap out of you. But I think it's helped me. From what I can tell, it's helped me. And that is, it is my opinion that happiness is not a goal. So happiness isn't my goal. Personally, I know that I'm not going to be able to achieve it as any sort of long-lasting feeling. I'm pretty sure Jordan Peterson said at one point that being happy isn't an endgame, it's a reward. And I try to remind myself of that concept. And I guess you could argue that as a Christian, you can find the happiness in life. Even a non-believer, you can find the happiness in life. And the thing is, is that I'm not disagreeing with that sentiment. I just think that living in an imperfect world, I don't know if there is a way to actually reach that destination of happiness or being happy in this lifetime. I think there are those minuscule moments in time. Maybe they last a few seconds or a few days or whatever it is where we feel happy where there's a warm feeling or a joy or a peace in our hearts. And I do think that the chances of those moments happening more often uh, increase when you do make an effort to grow in your faith and to live in your faith. However, I just think setting the goal in your mind of being happy or setting other goals with the purpose of getting to that place where you are happy is just not realistic. So if you're an optimist, go for it, but uh, some of us just can't do it, <laughs> can't do it, and maybe that's just my negativity talking, and you personally feel that you've made it to a point in your life where you have achieved that, but I've just come to the conclusion over time that it's ultimately better for me personally to view feeling good as a reward and not a destination. I guess the way in which I can best clarify that is if you set a goal or if you have a destination, once you accomplish that goal or reach that destination in life, there always has to be the next thing. There has to be somewhere to go from there, right? Life is going to keep moving and throwing things at you. So if your goal is to feel good, to be happy, and you reach that goal, what happens to you when life keeps moving and you stop feeling good? You stop being happy. Even if it's just for a few minutes, okay? What does it mean? What does it do to your mind? What does it do to your psyche? I look at it like if I set happiness or feeling good as a goal in my life or my year or whatever, I might achieve it. But when it inevitably gets ripped away from me, it's as though I've never achieved it. Because we all know how easy it is for the bad to outweigh the good, okay? 
It's not very difficult. You could have, like, a good day, all day, and then you get home at night and your sibling or your husband or whoever, okay, ate the last of what you were going to eat. There was a green bean casserole in the fridge, and there was just enough for one more serving, and you knew it was in there, and you were coming home, and you had such a good day, and that was going to top it off. That was the icing on the good day cake, was that green bean casserole serving. And you get home, and it's gone, and all of a sudden, it's like the end of the world. Somebody ate your food. And now the bad outweighs all of the good. And that's not always the case, but it is far easier for the bad to outweigh the good. So. If I view happiness instead as a reward for staying alive, for living, for putting up with the bad, if I view it as a reward for accomplishing something that I've been wanting to do, like this podcast, for example, if I view happiness as a reward instead of a goal, I'm more likely to remember that it's not going to last which might seem like, you know, a terrible way to go about things. It might seem really negative or depressing, but it ultimately it aid, it helps aid the problem of feeling this nice, good, happy feeling just to get it ripped away from me again and again and again and, and, and like it just keeps going because if you're expecting once you feel happy you're going to have that and then you don't have that, it's like, well, what was even the point? My goal was to be happy and I can't even do that, you know? So um, with all that being said, my intention with this episode isn't to bring you down or put you in a sad mood or whatever. I just wanted to put out a reminder that uh, even though during this time of year, it seems like everybody is like getting everything back in order and everybody's all refreshed and you know they're listing their resolutions or they're reviewing their year and everything looks all prim and proper and perfect okay just because you're not going about things like that you shouldn't feel like you're a mess <laughs> you shouldn't feel like you've disappointed anybody you shouldn't feel like a disappointment or beat up on yourself because of the things that you didn't do or don't achieve or can't achieve okay because we're not all the same we can't all have the same life you know we all have different dna and different lives and different experiences and we all bring different things to the table so no matter how many videos you see on TikTok where, you know, the comments are all like, oh my god, we literally all live the same life, um, we just need to remember that those are all simply cultural connections for the most part, okay? Because we very much do not all live the same life because we're all unique people in our own right. So you could live the same exact life as me and still have completely different experiences and completely different DNA. And it <laughs> makes it a completely different life than what I would have. I want to leave you with this in mind, now that I've brought you depression and discouragement and whatever, uh, to those of you who don't have the same outlook on life as me, but <laughs> I want to leave you with this in mind as uh, everybody gets back into the swing of things now that we're officially in 2023. Um, about a w week, I guess, before Christmas, I went to visit with this guy I met uh, working the elections. He's like in his 70s, him and his wife are, and they're so sweet. They're this elderly Christian couple, 
and I, I enjoy talking to them. They're very grounded people. But uh, while I was visiting them in their home, my election buddy's wife handed me this little pamphlet from one of the Mennonite communities uh, in Pennsylvania. There's a lot of Mennonites here too, but it, it came from up the north, up there where the Yankees are. And I looked up what I read in there after I got home because I found it so cool. Okay, so <laughs> in the Greek language, there's something called a double negative. I mean, in the English language, there's something called a double negative. It's just in the English language, that's a no-no. That's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to do that. Um, however, in Greek, it's allowed. So there's this whole double negative situation. I looked it up. It occurs like almost a hundred times throughout the New Testament. But the verse that I want to talk about specifically is Hebrews 13.5. Um, you know, it's the verse that talks about how God's never going to forsake us, right? So in the Greek of this verse, there are actually five total negatives in this verse. There's two double negatives, and then there's another single negative. And the thing that is so cool about this is that it emphasizes the he will never forsake us of that verse so much. Okay, so it reads more along the lines of the Lord will never, ever, no, not once, never forsake nor leave us. Again, it reads more like the Lord will never, ever, no, not once, never forsake us. So that's what the Greek of Hebrews 13.5 roughly translates to. And I just think it's cool because it's like, you know, you read that compared to what we have in English, what's uh, correct grammatically, right? And it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> he really, 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 really will not ever forsake us if they felt the need to use five negatives in a row. So I just thought that was kind of cool. Anyways. That is all for this episode, and thank God for that, because weather sucks and my throat hurts. You can find the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and of course, multiple streaming platforms at this point. New episodes of Subtle Rampage drop every Wednesday morning, so you'll hear from me again next week. Bye! Bye!